Hey, this is Caesar, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org slash youngadults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Uh, John 10, uh, 22 through 42. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for good works, a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into this world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, Believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and then there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed him there. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. All right. Thanks, Lee. John, always my best cheerleader. Thanks, brother. How's everybody doing? It's good to be here. Um, so if you don't know me, uh, I'm nobody special. I, I work with students here, and, uh, and I am actually, when it says students coordinator, that's actually, I work with the guy small group leaders. Um, so I've done, done youth ministry and college ministry, so young adult ministry and uh, youth ministry for about 23 years. And uh, so when I came here, as Caleb and I began to get to know one another, 
uh, we just felt like uh, the Lord was moving me into a different season of being able to train up leaders who would lead students instead of just leading students uh, in that capacity. But I love it because I still get to work with students, and that's awesome. And uh, I'm looking forward to being here with you guys tonight. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, for those who know me and who have taught uh, alongside me for a couple years now in students, uh, this may not surprise you, but um, as I was standing over there, uh, I've, got, I've got a great sermon. Uh, it's like uh, all this, it's, it's 12 pages, it's great. And, uh, and, um, and I've got all my stories and everything, and then I was standing over there, and, and uh, Jen was reading that prayer from St. Patrick, and then Lee started to read, and... Uh, and I just felt like God was going, yeah, like, uh, well, we're not going to go to that story. We're going to talk about another story. And so I'm just, I, I'm going to pray because whenever the Lord starts to uh, move things around in my head, uh, I feel like I need to lean in a little further. Yeah. So let me get some water and yeah. we'll pray. This is a cool mosaic students. <laughs> yeah, in case. I'm all mosaic students. I just realized I'm wearing my t-shirt even. Bro, I just look like the mascot, dude. Like, seriously. <laughs> you young adults over in students, we get shirts and bottles. No, I'm just, <laughs> so, no. Let's, uh, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, oh God. You're the great promise keeper. And uh, I am leaning on you tonight and asking you to speak to these young adults. God, there's just, there's nothing I can say to get to their heart. God, I know, I, I've seen it too many times, Lord, I'm asking you to pierce their hearts because I know I could sit up here and beg or preach for hours, but unless you move, nothing will happen in this room. And so I'm just asking you, Lord, to move. I want to get out of the way, Lord, but I know also that uh, I'm a man and uh, I ask you to forgive me for if I'm leaning in any way on my ability. And anything that I can't get out of the way, Lord, I ask that by your spirit, you would move it out of the way. In my weakness, I'm asking you to be strong. And you do your work tonight in our minds and our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I know what it's like to have promises broken, you know? It's like, I wasn't planning on, this is the part I wasn't planning on talking about, but I grew up in a, a pretty rough family. Um, uh, my dad kind of walked out on us when I was 12 years old, and uh, my mom kind of, she kind of went off the deep end and ended up on drugs, and 
with different guys and uh, it was just, it was kind of a, a weird space because the people who were supposed to keep their promises the most just weren't there to keep their promises. So those parent promises, they, I just, I couldn't trust them. And then as we all get older, as we all get older, we, we learn that a lot of times friends make promises and they break them. And then you get into relationships sometimes, boyfriends and girlfriends and even engagements. And sometimes you see it in marriages, like we make these promises and like the promises just aren't kept. We make all kinds of promises to one another and I'm not just gonna point the finger, I'm gonna tell you, listen, sometimes I'm the scumbag making promises that I don't keep. I do it all the time. I try my best not to be that person, but I know that promises are so easy in this world to just make and break, make and break. It's like promises just, they get to where they hardly don't mean anything anymore. I also know from my 48 years of life that promises have a lot to do with the person's willingness and their ability to keep the promises. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we can make promises and uh, we might have all the willingness in the world, but we're not actually able, you know? Like your friend, they're short on rent and you know, they're like, dude, I'm short on rent. I'm not gonna be able to make it. I need 700, I only have 400. And you're like, dude, I promise, I promise this next check, I'll help you. And you know in their mind, like you're willing, but you know in their mind, they're like going, dude, you can't pay your own rent. Like you're, you're not actually able to help me with my rent. You're not, so you can't keep that promise. And then some people are totally able. This happens a lot of times when we ask people to move and they're like, man, I promise I'll be there. I'm, I'm there, I'm there for you. I'm there for you. They're able, like they're, there's nothing wrong. Like they're, they're, they're able, they could get up and help you. But then like on that Saturday morning, after that long Friday night, like it's like eight o'clock in the morning and the alarm clock goes off and you're like, dude, all of a sudden the willingness goes down the drain and you don't show up and then you like leave them on red for two or three days because you're totally embarrassed that like you didn't go help them move. And so, uh, and then finally you see them face to face and you have to apologize or whatever, but promises are fleeting sometimes. I'm, uh, I'm married now. I've been married for 25 years to a wonderful woman named Leslie. Uh, but before Leslie, I love someone. We were 12. <laughs> and uh, I knew Peggy Barber from the fifth grade. And we never went out. But when we were 12 years old, we went to the Orange Park skating rink. And we couple skated to I Can't Fight This Feeling by REO Speedwagon. And I loved her. And I would have promised her the world. 
but I was 12 and I didn't really, you know, like all the willingness was there while we were holding hands and skating and uh, I can't fight this feeling anymore. <laughs> I've forgotten what I started fighting for. Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, here we are, Peggy, me and you, baby. And then there's like, no. Like all the willingness was there at 12, but the ability, I couldn't even drive myself to the skating rink, you know. <laughs> Look, when you're making promises of devotion, of love for the rest of your life, and like you can't even drive yourself to the roller skating rink, you know, you're not really in control of anything. You're kind of losing some of the ability, okay? We get this. Like, if somebody walked up to you tomorrow and went, look, I want to pay for all of your school, and then I want to give you a job, random stranger, you'd be like, I can't trust that. I can't trust that promise. But... Like if someone who was like totally able, like Elon Musk, Bill Gates, somebody walks up and goes, listen, I'm gonna pay for all of your school, I'm gonna give you a job, and we're gonna take care of you. You'd be like, okay, I might be able to like call my parents and tell them Elon Musk is paying for college, and that'd be great. But once again, promises are only as good as the person making them is willing and able. And some of us sadly know all too well that willingness and ability sometimes go down the drain when we make promises. But tonight, we're gonna to see a promise that Jesus makes us. And I hope that we see why we can trust this promise. So, if you've got a Bible, John chapter 10, you should be there. If you've got a blue Bible, I think it's page 993 if you weren't just there. If you're on your phone, ESV, okay? John chapter 10, let's start verse 22. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colony of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So listen, first I just want you to get this scene, okay? So the Solomon's, it was called uh, the Colonnade of Solomon or Solomon's Porch, some people called it. It was a hallway on the temple, okay? And there's like a wall, so one side is closed off and there's an overhang and Jesus is there and it says that these religious leaders came up and they came around him. So they gathered around him and they started asking him questions. So right off the bat, Jesus is in a tough spot, okay? Because right off the bat, these religious leaders come up and they're starting to show like physical intimidation, spiritual intimidation, physical intimidation because a bunch of men came and gathered around Jesus. So they're like trying to intimidate him. And then they start asking all these questions, spiritual intimidation because these were the religious leaders of the time. Just to get, a, get an idea of what this would be like, it would be like you sitting out here in the hall and talking to a bunch of your friends and then all of the elders and pastors from this church come up and just gather around you and start asking you hard questions. You'd just be like, whoa. <laughs> This, okay, like maybe I shouldn't be teaching in the hall. I don't know, like what's going on? It would be intimidating, right? So here's Jesus and he, all these religious leaders are gathered around him and then they start asking him questions and they're asking him questions to start trouble. We all understand this because how many of you have ever had, had someone ask you a question that you know they know the answer to and you're like, dude, they're only asking me that to start a fight. Like, yeah, yeah. You're like, dude, right here. I, that just happened to me yesterday. Like, no, no. But yeah, so this happens. 
So how do we know they're wanting to start trouble? Because they're asking questions that they already know the answer to. They actually say to him, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Well, in case you haven't been here for the last 10 chapters, the first part of 10 and back, he's already told them. Let's just do a brief look at the things that Jesus has already said of himself. John 5, 39 through 40. This is just John, okay? We can go lots of places. John 5, 39 40. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. John 6, 38 through 40. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was I am. Jesus has been telling these leaders over and over and over again who he is. And they have the audacity to walk up and go, hey, look, if you're him, tell us plainly if you're the Christ. And he's going, I have been telling you plainly. I've told you, the scriptures, they point to me. I give eternal life. I've come down from heaven. I'm the bread of life. Before Abraham was, I am. In case you don't know what that means, he goes, I'm God, that's what that means. Before Abraham was, I am, I'm God. How many people do you know that have heard over and over and over again clearly that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is God, it is only in him that you can find eternal life and they still don't believe? Like how many people do we know like this? Why don't they believe? Why don't they accept the things that they've heard about Jesus. P people hear these truths over and over and over again, but they don't believe. My dad, my dad grew up in church, grew up. My grandmother was the only Christian I knew in my family. She took my dad to church every week. He went to church and heard these truths every week of his life. My dad is 72 years old, and he is an atheist to the core, to the core. Does not like organized religion, does not like Christianity. He has heard these truths his entire life and does not believe. Why do people that you know, why do people like my dad not believe? Let's keep reading. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John chapter 6 says this. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Listen, if you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, maybe I'm not one of the sheep. 
Maybe you've been sitting in services just like this, listening to these truths over and over and over again. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, what, what does this mean? Hold on, hold on, what, what does this mean? Does this mean I'm not a sheep? Is this just a waste of my time? Am I hopeless? Am I doomed? Is that what you're telling me, Jason? First, no, that's not what I'm telling you. What I'm saying is, is that his sheep know his voice and they follow him. So if you hear his voice, surrender your life to him and don't worry about the things that you can't control. Listen I, could, listen, I could spend the next hour up here explaining the doctrine of election and how no one comes to Jesus unless the Father grants it. I could spend the next hour showing you that it is clear in the Scriptures that it is God who saves. I could show you clearly that it is the Spirit who gives life and the flesh is of no help at all. I could show you the beautiful mystery of God's saving power and our personal responsibility. I could spend the next hour and show us all through the scriptures that this doctrine is clearly seen in the first nine chapters of this book. I could show you how the verses that Caesar preached on last week has this doctrine written all over them. But I'm not gonna do that because that's not what I'm here for and that's not what this is about. If you're sitting here right now and you don't, if you're sitting here right now and you don't give a rip about Jesus, what I would say to you is don't just damn yourself to hell too quickly because it could just be that you hear his voice calling your name tonight. It could just be that you hear his voice and you surrender tonight. Listen, I didn't hear his voice for the first 23 years of my life. I never went to church, never. I just told someone tonight, I have two memories of ever stepping foot in a church. One was with my neighbor, Kyle Grant. He took me to the Methodist church his family went to. One was my grandmother's church. We went for an Easter service and I remember the Sunday school class. That was it. Two times I ever went to church. Jesus was never spoken of in my house. I didn't come to know Christ until I was 23. I didn't think about hearing his voice, didn't care about hearing his voice, didn't think about caring about hearing his voice. But at 23 years old, he called my name and I heard that voice. And for the past 25 years, I've been following that voice. And I'm so glad that I heard that voice. I don't know why some sheep don't hear his voice. I don't know why some hear his voice at five years old. Some hear him like my daughter at nine years old. Some at 12, some at 23, some at 80. I don't know why. But this is what I do know, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So keep coming, keep showing up, keep listening, because the kingdom of heaven is near and salvation is right at your door. And listen, if, that's, if just that thought alone stirs something in you, if that thought alone excites you in some way, your Lord and Savior is calling your name. So surrender, give yourself to the Christ who loves you and cares for you and died for you. The good shepherd is calling. And listen, I don't care. I don't actually care why you came. I mean, I don't hardly know a lot of you. I don't care if you came for the coffee. I don't care if you came for the relationships. I don't care if you happen to know that there was a guy or a girl here 
that you might want to date. Listen, I've been talking to teenagers and young adults for 23 years of ministry. Hormones have been the first step on the road to the cross a lot of times. So listen, if you came here because the one beside you, you're really trying to like go out on a date with, cool. But while you're here, Jesus may be calling you, okay? While you're here, listen up. But listen, if you have heard your name called and you have surrendered your life, or if you think you're hearing your name called right now, listen, because there's a beautiful promise. There's a beautiful promise to us in this passage. Verse 28, Jesus says this, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Let's hear that again. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Listen, this isn't a Peggy Barber promise, okay? This isn't some 12-year-old promise that just can't happen, all right? This isn't even like Parents making promises about like always keeping you safe when really they would totally love to keep you safe, but yet they're just not able to always keep you safe. Sometimes things just happen. This isn't a friend who promises to come and help you move. This is an eternal promise. This is a life-altering promise. This is the kind of promise that makes us bold because if this promise is true, it gives us the boldness to wanna to go and share this promise with other people. This is the kind of promise that causes fearlessness. Because like, if this promise is true, then you don't worry about what other people think of you. You don't worry about what might happen because we go out fearlessly to share this message with those around us. This is the kind of promise that if it's true, this will actually, this promise can make you a more gracious and merciful person and loving person to the people around you. Because if this is true, if this is true, then we're not judged by our failures. We're judged by his faithfulness. We're not judged by the times that we fall. We're judged by the times that he lifts us up. We're not judged by our struggle. We're judged by the beauty of his love that gets us through every struggle. And so when you then can look at each other and not judge each other by looking at your sin and their sin or them and us, and because it's not about their sin, it's about the way that he's made for them to overcome their sin. That makes people gracious. That makes us love one another better. That's a beautiful promise. But how do we know this promise can be trusted? I mean, how do, how do we know if, if, if promises are based on the person's willingness and ability to carry them out, 
how much we can trust the promise is based on that, then why do we trust Jesus? Why can we trust that he can actually do what he's promising? Verse 29 says this, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. And here's the line, Here, here's where assurance is found. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. If promises are only as good as the one making them, their ability and willingness to fulfill them, then we know this. Jesus is saying, listen, my Father gave you to me. You didn't choose me. He gave you to me. And nothing can snatch you out of my Father's hand because he is greater than all. And hey, in case you're wondering, I and the Father are one. Jesus is going, you can trust me because I am God. I'm God, I'm the one who saves. I'm the one who holds on to you. I'm the one who no one can snatch you from me. So when I say I give eternal life, when I say you'll never perish, when I say that you will be with me and no one will snatch you out of my hand, that is a promise that you can take to the bank because I am God. I am God and you can trust that no one is able to do anything to break that promise. Romans 8, 29, <clears throat> Romans 8, 29 through 39 <clears throat> says the same concept this way. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's powerful. It's a promise from God. I give eternal life. All who trust in him will never perish. And no one can snatch him from his hand. Matt Chandler, I don't know how many of you guys know Matt Chandler, but Matt Chandler is a pastor from Texas, and he once paraphrased this Romans 8 to say this. So if you are his and you followed his voice, listen to this. Romans 8, 29 through 39 is as if God is saying this to you. I started this. I'll finish this. 
I started it. I'll be faithful to finish. Don't give up. Keep walking. Keep pressing in. Keep confessing, and I won't let you go. There is no one who can condemn you. I don't, and if I don't, no one can. Who will even bring a charge against you? You're mine. What court could possibly charge you? Everything's mine. You can trust the promises of Jesus. He is God. He is the God who says, I've got you. I chose you. I will never let you go. You're mine. He showed his willingness to fulfill his promises by dying on a cross, by laying down his life, and no one took his life. He gave it willingly. He is willing. Jesus is God, and he is willing and able to keep his promises to you. So the only other thing you might say to me right now is, okay, Jason, but how do we know he's God, really? Like, because anybody can say anything. How do we actually know that Jesus is God? Maybe you've been burned too many times, and it's just too hard to take somebody on their word. But let's keep reading. 31, John 10, 31. The Jews picked up stones again. Just so you know, that's an interesting again, which means he's been here before. <laughs> it's like they picked up stones again <laughs> to stone him. <laughs> like Jesus has been down this road before. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. They understood. Now listen, before we get to the answer, I just want y'all to once again uh, just kind of see how boss Jesus is, okay? Because like, remember, Jesus is in this colonnade. There's like a wall behind him, a roof over top of him, all these guys surrounding him. He's like not in a good situation. And like, here's the thing. If I'm surrounded and everyone around me starts picking up rocks to throw at me, to stone me to death, okay, I, I'm running and I'm screaming, <laughs> not yelling. Screaming. See, because yelling implies that somehow you think you have some sort of control over the situation and you're yelling. Screaming is, I just peed myself and I need to leave as quickly as possible. So I would be running and screaming and Jesus, like boss, they start walking at him with rocks and he's like, yeah, so uh, which one of my good works are you gonna stone me for? It's like, what? He's just like having casual conversation, like, yeah, so what are, what are you stoning me for again? Like, he's not even worried. But it catches him off guard. And I'm sorry, to me, that's just like next level boss, okay? That's like holy gangster. And uh, so, and that's cool. So I love that my Jesus is like that. So, uh, but here's the answer. How do we know Jesus is God? Verse 37, if I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. 
Jesus understands that sometimes words alone just aren't enough. He gets it. He gets it. He knows our weaknesses. He knows that sometimes we can hear something a million times and we just, we're just like, I don't really trust that. I don't really trust that. And so he says, look, you don't have to just believe my words. If you can't, if you can't believe the words, believe the works. Believe the works. And I mean, what, are the, what works is he talking about? Listen, I just wanna, let's just real fast. We can point to a list that's huge, uh, but let's just, let's just look at a few. He's turned water to wine, chapter two, okay? He's healed the royal official son in Capernaum, chapter four. He's healed a paralytic, a paralytic in Beth, Bethesda, chapter five. He fed 5,000 with a couple loaves and fish, chapter six. He walks on water, chapter six. And in case you forgot what just happened before this scene happened, he just healed a blind man, okay? Jesus is saying to us, you can know that I'm God because the works I do, I feed the poor, I heal the blind, I make the lame walk. I can change the chemical composition of water to be wine. I don't know how many of y'all know people who can do that, but that's not something that happens every day, just in case you're wondering. But I would say, you don't have to just believe these works. I mean, listen, John actually says later in chapter 21 that if all the works that Jesus had done, he says there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. There's an abundance of works that point to Jesus being God, but there's one that leaves no doubt. Jesus was nailed to a cross one Friday morning, and he spent three days in the ground. He was nailed to a cross after being beaten and spit on and tortured for our sins. Then he died and was buried in a cold tomb. But three days later, three days later, the darkened tomb shone light. Three days later, the stone was rolled away. Three days later, breath filled his lungs. Three days later, his eyes opened. Three days later, the guards fell in fear. Three days later, he walked out of the tomb. Three days later, he made himself known to Cephas and then to the 12, and he spent the next 40 days on this earth showing himself to 500 people. Jesus, the one who claims to be God, his works point to who he is, and chief among those that he was nailed to a cross for your sins, died, was put in the ground, and got up. People don't do that. God can do that though. God can do that though. So how do we know that Jesus can be trusted? How do we know that his promises are true? How do we know that we can put our faith fully in him? Because Jesus is God and he proved that to us by getting up after three days. There's coming a day right now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father because after those 40 days and showing himself to 500 people, 
He ascended into heaven and he sat at the right hand of the Father where he rules and reigns and he is waiting for the command to come and get his church and one day he will come for us. But until that day, we have this promise. Until that day, we have a promise that we can trust that when he comes, he will give us eternal life and we will not perish. And nothing until that day can snatch us from his hand. Hannah, will you come up? Listen, all those who put their faith in him will have eternal life. If you put your faith in him, you will never perish. Nothing could snatch you from his hands. But sometimes even now, we have such a hard time believing that. So this is what we wanted to do. We just wanted to give you all a few minutes to meditate on those promises and to ask yourself, are there places in you right now that you're just not trusting him? Like the one who keeps all of his promises. The one that all of his promises find their yes and amen in Christ. Are there parts of you that you're just not trusting him with? Are there parts of your heart, parts of your mind, parts of your life that you're just not trusting him with? He's not a 12-year-old boy promising his devotion to you. He's not even an earthly mom or dad. He's not every friend who's ever let you down. He is the eternal, unchanging God. And his promises are true, and he is faithful to fulfill them. Let's pray. Father, I just ask simply this, Lord, as we worship, as we meditate, as we listen for your voice, I pray that you would kill every doubt in us. Help us to trust you. Thank you for your promises. Help us to rest in them, to find peace in them, to find boldness in them, to find fearlessness in them. Help us to find joy in the fact that you chose us and you never let us go. Thank you, Jesus, for your promises. Help us to surrender ourselves to you and trust that you'll never let us go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.